Welcome back to another episode of the Cape Cod Pod. It's your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Peter Flaherty of our college team. You're back on Cape now, Peter, after uh, a little bit less than two weeks out there in Omaha. How was uh, how was Omaha? How are these games? You got some good ones. Oh, man. It lived up to every bit of the hype. I was so fired up going into it. Um, came away even more fired up. Uh, it was both an outstanding field in terms of how talented the teams were, and then also draft talent in the at the individual level. And then the cherry on top was how crisp and professionally these games were played. So it was an awesome experience that culminated in LSU winning its first national championship since 2009. So I joked with Teddy a little bit on our podcast earlier that it might be all downhill for me from here uh, in terms of the College World Series, but uh, there are sure to be eight more really good teams next year. And um it's I like that while the college season did come to an end, sadly, a few days ago, uh, kind of keeps going here uh, through the middle of August with the Cape League, which I think is another reason why the Cape League is so great, because if you're a college baseball fan, um, you might not have that connection you do to a team that you root for. But you have, you know, the odds are that the team that you like, you're you have a lot of guys out here and you can keep tabs on them and kind of maybe pull for a team that they're on so i think that um it, it'll be another fun you know month month and a half of of college baseball now, there'll be other super teams in this uh nil era i'm sure jay johnson is out there beating the bushes right now and bringing in another like you know <laughs> posse of seven or eight superstars to uh backfill and you know we need a new tandem with uh with tommy tanks for next year now you know <laughs> matriculating to pro ball so yeah really interesting stuff um you know i obviously watched it out there but here's the important question did you do any scouting for the show like do we have any players that you watched out in omaha who are going to be making their way out here to the cape yeah absolutely there are a handful on lsu i think most notably um gavin gidry is going to be playing for falmouth and interestingly enough with gidry um instead of getting most of his work in on the mound which is what he did this year for lsu um, he is underratedly a two-way player, so he's going to be getting a lot of reps on the dirt, whether it be at second base or shortstop. Um, and I think that he's going to be a factor for LSU next year on both sides of the baseball. And then after that, it's kind of TBD on who comes up with USA making it to Omaha as a slog. And, you know, oftentimes I have my opinion on it. Uh, we don't need to get into it, but guys will kind of shut it down after getting the College World Series, winning a national title whatever it might be. So a little bit TBD on who's coming. I know Gidry's coming. I also know Josh Pearson um, who made that heroic season saving catch in the bottom of the 10th inning of game one. He'll be with Brewster, um, Jared Jones, the towering freshman with 70 grade raw power will also be with Brewster. Uh, Griffin Herring is on Chatham's roster. I don't know both that he's a true freshman, how many innings he threw, um, if he will be there, uh, it's still TBD on that. And then kind of bouncing around a little bit to the other teams, um, on UVA star freshman, Jack O'Connor. Um, I was really pleased to find out yesterday that he will be throwing on the Cape. Um, even after all that he threw at UVA, um, I was psyched to find out that he will be pitching this summer for Hyannis. I think that he's going to come 
maybe the first week, week and a half of July, but regardless, he'll be here and he's a supreme arm talent, fastball in the mid nineties, really good breaking ball um, projects to be UVA's kind of guy in the rotation next year. Uh, so he will be really exciting to watch for Hyannis. Same with Bradley Hodges, freshman Southpaw had a really good year for the Cavs contributed out in Omaha. Uh, he'll also be with Hyannis. Um, Colin McKay will be on Katuit. Um, Ethan Anderson is on Harwich's roster. There are so many variables with USA and, and all that. So I'm kind of just going over the shore bets and I'm sure I missed some guys. There are a couple of Tennessee players that are already on Katuit. Um, others that will be joining other teams and, um, Stanford again, they'll send guys all across the league, whether it be to YD, Katuit, Hyannis, um, Falmouth, everyone is, everyone's got a Cardinal, it seems. So, um, it'll be another fun influx of a really, really good group of players all around. So while there might be a little bit of a drop off now with the draft and the combine in USA with guys leaving, um, there are going to be some dudes coming in all across the league. So it's going to be a fun time here as we get rolling into July. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, collegiate national team tryouts have ended. So it'll be some of those guys kind of matriculating, making their way back to the Cape. Um, and, you know, the the USA Team USA ends, what, the 10th of July. So there's still a chance, I would imagine not pitchers, but some of these hitters might make their way back to some teams for – the stretch run there heading into the all-star break. And then, uh, you know, the, the playoffs at the end, you know, the end of the month or excuse me, the beginning of August and July there. Um, really interesting stuff. As far as how the standings are shaking out as of today, got a two way battle right now. Um, guess they're a point back in the East division. Whitey Red Sox are 10, six and one Harwich is 10 and six. So, you know, a game in hand, for for YD uh, and it's a tie, so certainly a good chance that Harwich could overtake them some point this week. Um, Orleans uh, won a few games. I think they lost a couple this week as well. They're five and five or the last ten, but they're seven and nine, and they're certainly ahead of Brewster and Chatham at this point. Chatham has been struggling. I know there's been some frustration that was voiced by Coach Holiday there as well. Um, some guys that you know bigger name players haven't necessarily performed at the level they had anticipated, but uh, that could certainly turn around real quick. You know, a hot week or two can do a lot in these standings in a short season. So um, all is not lost there. And I don't think uh, either of us would, would count out, um, you know, Jamie Shevchek and uh, the Brewster Whitecaps with the type of performances they put up over the last couple of seasons and tweeted it out earlier. Jamie has the best shoe game of any coach I think I've ever seen in my life. Those were uh, unbelievable Jordan Jordan won lows and uh you can't really see it in the picture but they're kind of, they're a little shiny. It's like a it's like a patent leather setup. So good looking stuff there. Um out in the West Division, the Katua Ketaliers are in a fairly uh they're in the driver's seat. It's they're 12 and 5, 24 points. Next closest teams to them are Wareham, Bourne, Hyannis, all sort of bunched up. Uh Wareham's 8 7 and 2, 18 points there. Bourne's 8-8-1, eight, eight, 17 points. Hyannis, same deal, 8-7-1 with 17 points. Um, but we know, we know well that division is, uh, is, is, is still very much up for grabs. We could see a lot happen here. Um, and credit to uh, the, new, uh, the new coaching staff um, in Wareham. You know, they're playing much better than they've performed over the last two years where they were kind of in a, 
a bit of a rut after being a, a pretty strong team back in like 18 and 19, if I recall. Um, so that's good to see too. Any, any sort of thoughts here on any of these teams? I've seen everybody now with the exception of Harwich and YD. So I, I haven't seen the, the class of the East division as of yet. I don't know if you have. I'm still playing catch up a little bit with my two week stint out in Omaha. Um, so I'm still kind of getting a feel for some of these teams, especially with the departures. Um, but out in the East, I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's YD and Harwich kind of jostling up there at the top. I think that YD is a really good team. Same with Harwich. I know Harwich got bit a little bit by USA, so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage. Um, but I think that YD is a really, really strong club um, that may have lucked out a little bit with USA. Hunter Hines obviously didn't get invited. Um, I think that Mitch Voigt might be coming back. Same with first base slugger um, Anthony Martinez, who, again, similar to Hines, that profile is going to play really well at Red Wilson Field, that hulking left-handed hitter with borderline double-plus raw power. I think that, you know, that's going to play really well there. And on the pitching side of things, one guy that's really stepped up for him is Hector Garcia from Hope International, 1-3 ERA, 20 Ks to just one walk, and I think 13 innings pitched. Um, he's been really good. And I know as we kind of go down the standings, um, Harwich is right there with Harwich. They've played one less game. And so when they make up that rain out, they might just get into first place by default once they get to the same amount of games played with a win. So, um, that's going to be a coin flip for, I I think as long as we keep trudging along here, Orleans and Brewster are kind of battling for that three and four spot as as we speak and then chat and bringing up the rear um i hope that they can get things straightened out and get some continuity on their roster i know that's a lot easier said than done at this time coach holiday touched upon it at this at this juncture when you're trying to bring in new guys um it is a really difficult task because if a pitcher isn't throwing he's probably completely ramped down and potentially shut down for the summer and you can't ramp him back up again and if a pitcher is throwing it's probably in another summer league and you can't pull, um, you know, in the Cape league, you can't pull from other summer leagues with, with very rare exception. It's not like you can just pluck guys willy nilly. So um, I am hoping for coach holiday's sake. It's, it's more fun in the league when Chad is competitive and it's more fun, especially when a coach holiday led team is competitive, because I think um, I really respect what he does. And I think that he's a great coach. And I think in today's game, some of what he says and the wisdom that he drops um, is, is very, very valuable. So again, we're still very early. You mentioned it a good week for one team and a bad week for the other could completely flip the division or the landscape of the standings on its head, um, which is what I think makes it so fun. And then heading out West again, could to the top 24 points. Um, and then Wareham is trailing them with 18, but again, Katoot and Wareham play each other tonight with a Wareham win. That's now just a two game lead at the top. So it's just every game matters a lot. Each result is magnified with, you know, the, with the point system and, and how few games there are. So um, I think one team to watch out there is born. They got off to a slow start, but they have since been on an absolute tear. They have that coastal Carolina duo of Caden Bodine and Derek Bender. Derek Bender has been a world beater since coming up here. Um, in his 10 games, he's 18 for 38, which is an average of 474 with three doubles, three home runs, a triple and 10 RBIs. And I haven't seen it firsthand. I am really looking forward to seeing it firsthand. Same with Bodine, um, who, who's also been outstanding. So 
that is a club to watch. Uh, Coach Landers is part of the Coach Shevchik coaching tree, which has seemed to have taken over the Cape League at this point. Uh, I don't know if they have the shoe game that Coach Shevchik does. Uh, Coach Smythe at Wareham does have some pretty sweet turfs, but uh, I think Coach Shevchik might have them beat forever in the in the shoe game department. But again, Coach Landers is a guy that um, brings in guys that are gritty players. They want to win. Uh, they want to be here at, I'm kind of echoing exactly what coach holiday said, but uh, he's done a really good job in born. And then uh, Hyannis again, I saw them for the first time this season last night, uh, tough result, but again, it's, you know, baseball so weird. You saw that I was able to see firsthand the talent that they have on their roster. Cam Smith freshman from Florida state is really seeing the ball. Well, as of late, again, it's two fifty, which in this league is really impressive, especially as a true freshman with, four doubles, a pair of home runs. And I think that the swing and miss issues that plagued him at Florida state, um, they're still present, but he is seeing spin a lot better. He looks way more comfortable in the batter's box, way more in control. And I think that his production down the stretch is going to be key for the Harbor Hawks and Mike Sirota. I mean, at this point, he's Mike Sirota. Uh, he's one of the most dynamic players in all of college baseball. I think it's five-tool upside with him. He's twitchy as all get-out. Um, really explosive hands at the plate. Outstanding professional-like ex- professional-like approach. He had an outfield assist last night where he showed off his arm from right field, had a nice one-hop throw in a line um, to Nabucca to a runner at the plate. And then on the pitching side of things, um, they're going to get a big boost with Jack O'Connor here soon. Um, with the draft and guys coming in and out, uh, you know, it's always tough to have continuity, but they have, you know, they have reinforcements on the way, um, as do a lot of these teams. So although the landscape's ever changing, um, you know, I, I think, uh, in the West, um, you know, obviously get to it in front and then Falmouth kind of down there at the bottom, um, with 12, I haven't seen them yet. Um, interested to see them. They always, uh, Historically, they have the biggest names. I think they they put they they catch the biggest fish um, to sign on their roster, and um, unfortunately, they haven't always shown up. Uh, like physically, they haven't shown up uh, with USA and in going deep into the College World Series. So, a little surprising to see them off to a slow start. But again, we're so early on; they very well could rip off, you know, a few more wins in a row, be sitting right at five hundred and in the hunt. So. That's what makes the Cape League so fun. There's talent everywhere you look, whether you're in first place or you're bringing up the rear at this point. Um, you've got some really talented guys on your roster that you're going to feel excited about that can potentially bring your organization a championship. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree on Cam Smith. Um, my second look at Cam Smith looked much better. I'm hoping to get another look on them. Um, I saw Falmouth early, which was frankly a, <laughs> a very different team from the one that's there right now. Um, you know, some pre-draft guys that were there, um, you know, as well as uh, Charlie Condon, um, who I believe is, did he make the national team, Condon? Oh, I'll have to check. I think he did, though. He did. Okay. He did. All right. Yeah, we'd have to have to double check on that. I, I figured that he would, but, uh, you know, wasn't 100% sure. So um, wanted to see that there. But, you know, I think there's a chance that, I'm going to head back down the Cape uh, tomorrow. I'm back on pro ball yesterday and then today. Um, they're in they're in Wareham tomorrow night. I might end up shooting over to Wareham to take a look at them and uh, 
get me some some Travis Benzana looks now that Benzana is here. It hasn't hit much as of yet, um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't panic. It's you know he's got a really low batting average on balls in play, and he's a guy that can hit. I think I'll turn it around quick. Um, you know, just thirty at bats or something, right? Like or twenty at bats. So. Um, guy has a four for four showing tonight or, you know, has big hits tomorrow. All of a sudden that stat line looks very, very different. Um, but yeah, th- from a, from a prospect perspective, I always find Falmouth to be one of the more interesting teams, um, to follow and check out. Cause they usually have at least a couple of dudes. So, you know, maybe three or four guys that will go in the top five rounds next year, uh, without much of a question there. So Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I wanted to ask you this question though, because I've gotten I've gotten to a bunch of Cape games while you were gone. Um, I think I've been to what five or six now. Um, got to see some decent pitching uh, over the last you know week or so. Who's the best pitcher that you've seen in the Cape so far? And I know that I'm asking you that with about five games, but I think we're we're probably about equal. Yeah. So I the Cape League now looks so different than when I last was here. Um, and now I think people listening are like, all right, we get it. Like you went to Omaha. That's sick. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it does look drastically different. So it's hard to judge. Um, I caught a little bit of Josh Timmerman, who I know has, he's been a world beater for the Whitecaps. Um, now I only caught him for less than an inning, um, but he was really good for those unfamiliar. Had a little bit of a struggle, a little bit at Ohio state um, since coming up to the Cape though, has, almost literally been unhittable um, in four appearances, including two starts, which up here, when we talk about starts, a lot of the times it's three, four, at most five innings for these guys. So it's not like they're logging serious innings, but in four appearances, 11 and two thirds innings, 15 Ks to four walks, zero ERA and just one hit allowed. Um, He's been excellent for Brewster. And I'd like to actually see him for an extended period of time uh, to get a full feel. Cause in his last start, against Chatham he went six shutout seven K's and allowed his first hit of the summer um, yeah. and I got some some, vi- 
some video up on Twitter of that start. I was uh, I was out in Brewster last Sunday for that performance, and it's not bad. Um, you know, not a not a ton of power, but he was like one to three. I've heard that he's been more like two to four. Um, you know, pretty decent fastball shape there. Um, kind of average ride. It's a lower release. Um, mixed a cutter that was really effective uh, in on the hands of left handers and. Uh, a sweepy low 80 slider with, you know, good spin rates, 2,600, 2,700 RPMs with decent, you know, horizontal numbers, et cetera. So he was a really interesting arm and he's pitched incredibly well uh, this far this year. He actually hadn't given up a hit until I think the fourth or fifth inning <laughs> of that start uh, on Sunday. So it, it isn't just runs. Balls aren't even dropping. I mean, there weren't many balls that even left you know, the infield in terms of the contact that was made. Uh, so he's dominated. I would, you know, I don't know if he's shutting it down uh, pre-draft because he is eligible this year. Um, but if not, he could potentially go on Saturday or Sunday if they keep him on the same schedule. They don't have the listed starters yet up yet for Brewster. So I'm uncertain. But uh, if you're in the area and Timmerman is starting, I think it's worth checking him out because, uh, like I said, it's not going to blow your socks off with stuff. But just the pitchability, the execution, um, repeatability, and the mechanics—he's been—he's been pretty good. So, showing well. Um, I would be kind of shocked after the showing if he doesn't get drafted somewhere. And if you know he does and maybe doesn't sign, that maybe wouldn't be a shock. So who knows? But we'll see how that plays out. Um, guy that I saw um, this week, actually the following day on Monday, and he pitched tremendous on Monday, and that was. Um, Cameron, it's Cameron, right? Not Cameron, it's Cameron. It's I think it's music. Cameron. It's still Cameron, huh? I think See, so. I was, I was hoping it was like, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, hearkening back to uh, the Cameron and you know that whole crew back in the early two thousands when I was in college, <laughs> you know, and the diplomats were popping off. But it's not. It's uh, it's Cameron. All right. So Cameron Hill um, was awesome. Big left hander. I mean, you know, looks he looks like a power forward, um, you know, lean, tall. He's like six, 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 seven left-handed, um, low nineties fastball, but he was riding it pretty well. I think it's like, you know, 17, nine, 17, eight was what he was getting reads off of the, the, uh, the trackman. And that actually wasn't out of line. Cause we know some Cape trackmans can be a little wacky at times with the induced vertical break numbers. It was pretty in line with what his, his, his numbers were this season at college. Didn't have a great season with Georgia Tech at all. The numbers don't bear it out. Great slider. Was mixing up, you know, a variety of pitches. Um, he pitched four perfect innings. Allowed, you know, no hits, no walks, four Ks. Was really untouchable. Um, I kind of j- joked, joked around with our with our good buddy Will. Uh, you know, the Katuit. Uh, is he, is his position still the scout liaison? Or is, I believe so. I wasn't sure. He's he's moving up in the world. He's been there for three summers. So oh, yeah. I'm saying to Will, I was like, just keep this guy in, man. Come on. Let him throw 100 pitches. <laughs> <laughs> he's not stretched out that far. But um, he's another guy that has not allowed a run thus far. Um, you know, in the Cape season, he's had, what, five appearances now, spanning 12 and two-thirds innings. Um He's only allowed three hits, two walks. So over those 12 and two thirds, he's only had five base runners. He struck out 19 over that 12 and two thirds innings. He looks great. Um, 
to me, this looks like a guy that could potentially bust out this summer if he keeps this performance up. I don't expect him to go uh, scoreless the entire summer, but, um, you know, a few more strong performances like this. I think he's definitely somebody that's going to be moving up boards for 2024. Um, I know you've been around, you know, Cameron a little bit, but uh, yeah, seems like a really good kid and uh, good stuff. And I think there's some more projection there when you look at that body and the fact that, this looks like a guy that could potentially throw four to six within a couple of years, you know, especially with some pro instruction. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen him throw at this point. I think I saw him throw once against Chatham. Uh, he looked really good. It was three shutout with four K's. And I think that anytime you're talking about a pitcher and coming up to the Cape, kind of projecting what they might do. Um, ERA in my mind is a pretty bad stat. Anyways, that's another, that's a topic yes. for another time, but um especially collegiately nowadays against metal bats. Um, you know, you talk about the baseball and how tight it is and some guys liken it to, to hitting a golf ball with how much it flies. And then now with metal bats and, and talking about how some might be hot. So he's a guy that at Georgia tech, the ERA was pretty unimpressive, but the stuff, I mean, clearly it plays excellently against wood, which is what he's going to be facing obviously professionally. And, you know, you're talking about a six, six, 215 or so pound left-handed pitcher. Um, that's athletic, pretty good clay there. Um, you know, I, I think that's a really, really appealing profile for teams. And if he can kind of keep showing that at the next level, he might be a starter this summer, um, with extended appearance with extended appearances, um, continuing to throw the ball. Well, I thought again, the slider, in my look at him was really good. The fastball was up to a five when I got him. Um, and then the changeup is a pitch that he's continuing to develop and get feel for. So if he can come out of the summer with really good performance numbers wise, and then also from in the scouting world, if they view this guy as a starter, now you're talking about a six foot six left-handed starting pitcher. Who's probably going to be at Georgia tech next year. I would hope a Friday or Saturday guy. Um, you know, and if he performs well in the ACC, now you're now we're really getting serious with the draft and stuff. So he's no doubt a name to watch. Um, I think that he's already gained some serious helium in the scouting world, and um, it'll be a it'll be a fun summer to continue to watch him pitch. So I want to talk to you about somebody that I interviewed uh, a couple weeks back. He's a, he's a friend of one of my other podcasts. I know I got like seven right now, <laughs> but the 90th percentile, the one, you know, that I do with Matt Pajak, where we talk about player development. We had Nick McLean on actually um, right at the end of his season. He was going into that UCLA. It was actually going into the USC series. Excuse me. Um, the end of their series, the Arizona state ended their season with USC and then UCLA, if I remember correctly, Um Hit pretty well, you know, has dealt with some injuries, uh, was obviously a guy that hit the transfer portal and left UCLA and went to Arizona State, um, kind of uh, playing both sides of his two brothers in Matt and Sean. Um, interested, I know you're, you're going to see him for the first time this evening, aren't you? I actually missed him. The one game he didn't play for Wareham was the game that I saw Wareham. <laughs> yeah, so literally, like, when we finish recording, I will go up to the to the yard and, and see him take BP. So I'm I'm really excited to see him play for the first time. And as you mentioned, um, had some injury trouble at UCLA, entered the portal, uh, kind of followed in his brother Sean's footsteps at, at Arizona State. And he was really good for the Sun Devils when healthy. Um, hit really well, especially from the left side. I really like his hand action. It's a very 
explosive level swing, I think. Um, you know, he's he's driven the ball to all fields, especially at Arizona State. Um, and then up here, he's continued his good performance. Um, I, I, good performance is putting it lightly. Great performance hitting around 370 with a double, three home runs, and 12 RBIs, which in this league, I mean, that's that more than plays. He's He's been outstanding. He's recorded a hit in all but one of his 11 games. Um, and I, I think tonight he's going to put on a show. He's also looked really good in the outfield. He's had a couple of outfield assists from right field. Um, good, good throwing arm. And then, um, it's so far he's, he's demonstrated in a, a really good field to hit feel for the barrel. Um, and it, it tracks with the, with the McLean track record. Um, and so I think that tonight, um, there's no reason to, to think that he's not going to continue his, his strong performance both tonight and then, um, and then as we get through the summer. So, um, I think again, you talk about, I guess, Hill on the mound as being a, guy that we go into 2024 really excited about um, collegiately and then the draft. I think that Nick McLean has that type of upside and has potentially already established himself as one of those guys um, from a position player standpoint. And I think that in the draft right now, I know he's a little undersized, but um, again, feel the hit, some thump in the stick, and then a, a guy that's going to stick in a, in a corner outfield position. Maybe even he's going to get some reps in center field this summer. He's a good athlete, can run a little bit. Um, I think that's top 100 overall upside with McLean. So um, needless to say, I'm very excited to see him play. Yeah, and I know this is kind of hyperbolic after we've seen Matt get drafted in the first round twice, make it up to the big leagues, and it's really hit. Um, I think somebody had brought up last night that he's outperformed Anthony Volpe to this point, that he actually has, I believe, more hits than Volpe in a lot less games. Um, is there a chance that Nick might actually be the best of the McLean brothers? Cause he seems like he has more actualized pop right now than Matt did when, you know, he was in the Cape with, with Wareham as well. Oh, that's an interesting hypothetical. Uh, I'm not, I mean, the upside is certainly there. Um, I'm not going to doubt it from an upside perspective, but um I mean, Matt's been excellent since being called up to the Reds in yeah. 40 games. I mean, he's hitting around, what, 320 with 12 doubles and six home runs. I mean, he's looking like an impact, like a big impact big league player, um, which very few players can can say. Um, so I, I don't – I'm not ready to stick the – Nick is definitely going to be better than Matt label on him right now, but um, – just talking about it from a sheer ceiling perspective and an upside perspective. I mean, it's certainly there where we are sitting here. And if this podcast exists in four or five, six seasons um, where Nick McLean is an it is an impact big leaguer, there's certainly a world um, where that possibility exists. So um, he certainly couldn't ask for a better start. Uh, 370 in the cave a quarter of the way through the season is no slouch. Um, again, we're under 50 at bat. So a couple offers like, tank the average but conversely a couple more two three hit performances and we're we're getting really serious about nick mcclain potentially winning mvp of this league yeah i think you're right and uh i'll actually get a look at him tomorrow you'll get a look at him tonight um so we'll uh we'll, we'll round back up but he did make the hot sheet last week he was number four on the hot sheet um with an eight for 22 performance three runs two home runs, six RBIs, four strikeouts, the three walks, and a stolen base. So that's not too bad. Um, 
want to bid fair farewell to uh, an early pre-draft performer here on Katuit. Uh, that's Brett Bateman. I believe he made our first two hot sheets, if I'm not mistaken. Um, center fielder from Minnesota. We've talked about the defensive skills there, the bat-to-ball skills for sure. He can run. Um, and I think if you look at the body, I kind of wonder if there's a little bit more projection for power uh, as he matures. But um, somebody that I think will go in the top five rounds. Uh, am I talking out of turn there? I mean, top five, it might be um, top five might be a little heavy, but I, I certainly have him in that six to eight round range. As you said, um, bat to ball skills off the charts. He had 500 in his time here, and that's through 13 games with 46 at bats. Um, his 13 RBIs, uh, it's Hunter Hines has actually blown him out of the water at this point, but his 13 RBIs were tops in the league for a little while. Um, even after he left, uh, he does not swing and miss. Um, the swing decisions are outstanding, both with from a bat to ball perspective. And then also an approach standpoint, sees the ball extremely well out of the pitcher's hand. It's a line drive oriented swing uses all fields. Um, and then in center field, he is a, a really, really crisp and strong defender off the bat. Reads have been outstanding. Um, routes are very efficient. Uh, the arm I think is average, maybe a tick below. So maybe he ends up in a, in left, but he's absolutely an above average defender. And I think that for as good of a season as he had at Minnesota, um, which was a, a really strong season, I think he had around 360. Um, made a name for himself there. He he kind of blew up down here where I think he is now absolutely a, a day two selection and and with that top six, seven or so round upside. So happy trails to to bet to Brett Bateman. Yeah, absolutely. Um Bateman is definitely one of those guys where uh stuck out pre-draft, you know, and um when you hit like that on the cape, you show you have some defensive skills. Wouldn't shock me if you find some success in pro ball. So he's been a pretty good one. But like I said, I wanted to bid farewell to him because he's now left uh, it pre-draft with the expectation of getting drafted. Um, wanted to bring up a Harwich Mariner here. We had one that was up top in Seaver King. We talked about Seaver King last week. Uh, Seaver King ended up going down the collegiate national team and made the team. So we will not be seeing Seaver King again this summer. Or maybe he comes back afterward. I don't know. We'd have to talk to uh, Coach Steve over in Harwich and see if that's the case or not. But um, one that you had brought up and suggested for the hot sheet that I think you actually wrote up, uh, or maybe it was actually me that wrote up, I can't remember, is Hunter Fitzgerald. Um, had a big week last week, was 8 for 23. Um, no home runs despite really good power and underlying exit velocity data from the college season. Uh, he was an old Dominion guy. Five runs, six RBIs, six strikeouts, three walks. Um, but it's those eight hits and the ability to get on base. He's kind of an interesting player. Um, well-rounded offensive skill set. He's a first base only type. But um, I don't know if you got an opportunity to see Hunter Fitzgerald or if you checked him out during the season, kind of what your read is there. Um, I missed him in his time on the Cape. But during the season, I had been following him in Old Dominion. Um, that's obviously a fun team to follow in the Sun Belt. Year in, now in the Sun Belt, year in and year out. Um, but performed well for the Monarchs. Uh, came up here and really tore it up before the draft. Hit right ab at about 350, I think, with four doubles, six RBIs, um, respectable K-to-walk ratio. Um, and he's a, a he more than looks the part. He's six four two two twenty two thirty. 
Um, really physical kid, uh, big time left-handed bat who I think has more juice than he showed. Um, where in the street was he had a, a couple of really good batting practice rounds, um, was, was demonstrating some, some serious raw power. I can't really speak too much to it cause I never saw him in person, but, um, I think that given his departure time and, and what he did during the Cape season then, and then also at school, um, I think he's, he's turned himself into a draft pick where he goes. I'm not sure, probably somewhere on day three, but um, I think that he's no doubt a draft pick. And then you touched on him a, l- a little bit. And Seaver King is a personal uh, cheese ball of mine for the 2024 draft. Um, he's a guy that I fell in love with when I found out about him uh, in around April or May um, at Wingate. And he lit the world on fire at Wingate. Um, it's an awesome story because he, you know, he's a D2 guy who earned a spot on the Cape. And not only did he earn, did he earn a spot on the Cape, um, he tore it up and he had that notable nine for 10 stretch on June 19th, between June 19th and June 20th, excuse me. And before leaving for the collegiate national team, which as you said, he would eventually make, which is awesome. And now he's, um, you know, before coming to the Cape, he announced he was transferring to Wake Forest. So for the Deeks, that is a big time get. I think that he's going to really perform at the highest level for coach Walter um, he's got a super explosive swing, outstanding athlete. The run times have been, I think, home to first. They've been 70 grade type run times. Um, again, super explosive swing. Uh, you talk about kind of drafting the athletes. Um, he's not only a superb athlete, but he's got a performance, he's got a really good track record to his name, too. And I think that if he does what I think he's going to do at Wake Forest next year, um, there's first round upside with Seaver King, um, especially if he can shore up the defense a little bit and become a decent defender on the dirt, whether that's at second base or shortstop, we'll see where Wake uses him, maybe even in the outfield, but, um, there's, there's first round upside with King. Yeah, I'm uh, I love him. So I'll, I'll fight you for personal cheese ball status. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to be a thruple of, of cheese ball loving for, uh, Seaver King. Um, last guy I wanted to mention here, actually two, a um, couple of power bats, Hunter Hines, who I know we've talked about before. Um, he's just absolutely putting on a show, and you couldn't be in a better park with big power <laughs> than Red Wilson and YD. Um, but that being said, I don't think there's a park, even Orleans, uh, the center field, that could keep Hunter Hines in check. Um, this guy has big power, and he's been showing it off consistently. Uh, other guy that I saw last week that I'm kind of interested, wonder if he's drafted out of JUCO and never makes it to campus at Oklahoma State, but that's uh, Xavier Casarilla. Uh, Casarilla was a 20th round pick back in 2021 of the Cardinals out of uh, high school in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. And this guy that went to Wichita State didn't work out. I think he was actually committed last year to Katuit. Um, ends up, you know, matriculating to the JUCO side of things. Doesn't end up uh, committing or transferring, whatever you want to say to Oklahoma State until I think it was October, late October of last fall. So he would be eligible for 2024. He is draft eligible because he is JUCO. Um, I really like the swing. He enjoyed a big week last week. Didn't see a ton of at-bats, but just the power upon contact is very easy to spot. It's a good, good swing. I saw him, you know, almost leave Brewster opposite field, and he kind of mishit it um, with wood and still put it off the wall and – 
for a second, I thought it, I thought it left, you know, if you've been behind the plate at Brewster, uh, for whatever reason, the sight lines there down right field are kind of difficult to see if the ball actually like travels over the fence or under it. Um, so it ended up being a ground rule double, but it was a, it was a, a well, it, it was a, a miss hit that was well hit. And like, when I see that, it's like, all right, like this guy has some serious, you know, juice um, in that bat and just, you know, kind of adjustable hands, kind of an interesting player. Uh, I like Casarilla a lot. So wasn't sure as we wrap this sucker up, if you had any thoughts on, on Hines, I know we've talked about him a bit. You mentioned him earlier on the podcast or Casarilla, if he could be a guy that maybe doesn't make it to campus. At yeah. I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back twice here, but I know Hines was a guy that we were talking about in the lead up to the season with, you know, the fact that he's playing at YD, he's got a chance to put up some gaudy numbers and, to this point, he's more than done so. He leads the league in home runs with six, which in a whole summer, six home runs for the Cape League is a really respectable, a really good, yeah, um, a really good mark. But the fact he's done it before the end of June um, is unbelievable. And he's leading the league with 23 RBIs. I think the next closest guy is at 14. Um, and like we've harped upon, the profile, it plays outstanding at Red Wilson Field um, in we've touched upon it so many times. There's no reason to go back to it, but um, like you said, no ballpark at this point is containing Hunter Hines. So you could be playing at Red Wilson field. You could be playing at, you know, the biggest graveyard in the league and, and the numbers I think would look pretty similar. So um, I'm really excited to see what it's going to look like at the end of the summer. And especially because he's a non-USA guy, he projects to be here Lord willing for the whole summer, assuming he stays healthy um and we could be looking at some some monster numbers and mvp type numbers with Hines. so um he's already he's been a name since he stepped on foot since he stepped foot onto um onto mississippi state's campus so um seeing him perform at this clip is both fun to watch firsthand and then also for a bulldogs team looking to bounce back next season it is a very welcome sign and he's coming off a monster sophomore campaign so yeah. Seeing him only build upon that has got to be a great sight for Mississippi State fans. And then with Casarilla, we had been texting about him, I think, two falls ago, last fall maybe, or yeah. whenever he was a true freshman at Wichita State, being like, who is this kid? Because he was he was the best hitter on Wichita State um, as a true freshman with unbelievable exit velocities, um, power to all fields, pulverizing the baseball out of the yard. Um again, to all fields in a swing that at that point was really reminiscent to um, now big leaguer with the pirates, Nick Gonzalez with that explosive hand speed, the barrel really getting moving through the strike zone. Again, it didn't quite work out at Wichita went the Juco route, which is such a valuable route for, for really anyone out there and, and blossomed at Seminole state, which is a powerhouse out in Oklahoma and has since um, committed to Oklahoma state um is playing for chatham this summer surprisingly um but he's done well for the anglers um and i think that while there is draft interest with him um i i think that he does make it to Stillwater, and you can kind of kind of add him to that laundry list of impact bats that they're going to have next year and he's gotten more physical since his freshman year unsurprisingly um he was more of a wiry athlete i think as a as a as a puppy at wichita state now he's you know he's a he's a big kid um and the it's the same barrel speed it really accelerates the strike zone i I think i was watching your video 
Um, and I was, I, I was pretty impressed with the, um, with the bat speed and, and the, and the action on his barrel. And, um, he can still drive the baseball to all fields, um, positionally where he fits in. That's a little bit more of a TBD. Is it the outfield? Um, is it a corner infield spot? I think that's what coach holiday is going to send him back to Stillwater with as a position. Um, but I think that he's someone that's going to really be able to hit this summer and he's done it so far. Um, and if he's able to do so, I know that would really help out the anglers and then also help his prospect status out, um, as, as he looks towards 2024 potentially for the Cowboys. So, um, really impressive hitter. And I think a sneaky one at that, just given the, where the anglers are in the standings right now. Um, and then also some of the bigger names they have on their roster with, Carson Benj, Nolan Schubart. They just brought in Carter Trice before the draft, Chris Maldonado. Um, I think that Casarilla is a guy that um, has flown under the radar and people are going to be really excited about coming out of the summer and then even leading into the draft as a potential, um, you know, day three selection. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely uh, an interesting pair of players there. Last question I'm going to ask and throw out there. Um, do you know offhand what's – What's the home run record in a single season for the Cape Cod League? And the same thing with RBIs. I tried to look it up while we were chatting to see, you know, what Hines would have to do to set that record. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't find it. I clicked that on, on, on the Cape Cod League website for their all-time records, and I got a, I got a 404. So <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if it's available. It's so funny because as I was talking about Hines and as I was looking into, uh, you know, doing research for the podcast um, – I was like, man, like I, I also got 404 because whatever the records are, like there could be something outrageous in like 1940 where someone hit like 15 or 16 home runs, which as good as Hunter is, I don't think that might be in the cards. But at this point, I mean, he's got to be on pace for for at least one of them, if not both. 23 RBIs in 13, 14 games is unbelievable here. I'll take, I'll take the most in the last like, 40 years if we can do since 1983 <laughs> i like it i was gonna say yeah with with the way that he's playing whether it's an all-time record or not i have a feeling that we're gonna be talking about heinz um in both home runs and rbis the most in you know however many amount of years it's gonna be a lot of years i think so um yeah i i, I feel pretty confident in that we'll be sitting here in august talking about him him breaking a couple records yeah, pretty standout power there for Heinz. Well, for Peter, I'm Jeff. This was the Cape Cod Pod. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week, guys. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.